Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Last Sunday, we saw the what Christ accomplished through the resurrection. According to John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus hung on the cross and he said, Tetelestai, it is finished. What was finished? His assignment, earthly assignment in his human body was finished. He had finished what he was supposed to do on earth. And guess what? He died, was buried, but that was not the end. It certainly was not the end of his life because Bible says that he abolished death. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, Christ abolished death in his dying. So the death of Christ, as I keep saying, was the death of death. In other words, in his death, in his death, death died. He abolished death, and that's not the end, but brought life and immortality to life. <laughs> to light, sorry. Hallelujah. Uh, first, second, chapter one, verse nine. Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. Amen. So, um, in his death, he accomplished something. In his death, he accomplished something to meet the need of God and the need of man. So he didn't only meet the need of man, he also met the need of God through his death on the cross and he resurrected and when he resurrected bible says in hebrew in um, ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 and seated him far on his right hand far above principalities and power powers so verse 19 talks about the power that works towards you the same power which raised christ from the dead okay so the power raised Christ from the dead and seated him far above principalities and powers in uh, on the right hand of God. All right. It says that, and that, verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, world who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him, God raised Christ from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So, God raised Christ from the dead. So the resurrection was an act of God. He raised Christ from the dead and seated him. So when he resurrected, the resurrection was not just an event to end something. The death of Christ accomplished something, but the resurrection of Christ also accomplished something. And it wasn't the end of what Christ was accomplishing. When he raised him from the dead, he seated him on his right hand. Verse, verse 20 again. He, uh, and he set him at his right hand in the heavenly, in the heavenly places. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 talks about after it, uh, in verse chapter 11, after I talk about, he spoke about all the accomplishments of faith. He said, therefore, wherefore, Seeing that, wherefore, seeing also that ye are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. The arena is packed. I preached a message some time ago. The arena, the arena is packed. The stadium is packed. The, the hall is packed. Everybody, you are the same that they are watching. They are watching you. Angels are watching you. People who have saved God and died and gone in their 
in the in their spirits. Bible says that uh, the company of the perfect the, the, the spirits of just men make perfect. When we come to church, Acts chapter uh, sorry, um, um, Hebrews chapter twelve. See, so we have come to the company of innumerable angels, the uh, um, spirits of just men made perfect. So all this company we have come into, the arena is packed. Demons are also watching them to see your behavior and how you are going to handle these times, how you are going to behave yourself in these lock times. It's a lockdown, time of lockdown. In, in, in these uncertain times, demons are watching you. Angels are watching you. God is watching you. The sun is watching you. And we are also waiting to see the outcome of your life. All of us are, spect- are, are being watched. We are, we are, it's like we are on the theater stage. The, the, the theater and the, the auditorium is packed. Everybody's watching you. So it says that seeing, seeing that we are compassed with so great cloud of witnesses, they are witnessing how you are behaving. Even though some of us are not with you currently, where you are because uh, of the lockdown and everyone is supposed to, because of the social distancing uh, rules and principles, we can't come to your house. But guess what? We may not see you. I may not see you. Others may not see you. But the angels the, and, and God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit, and guess what? Demons, Satan and his angels, devils are also watching. The arena is packed. Some are cheering you. Come on, you can do it. Come on, David, you can do it. Come on, go ahead. Go ahead. Don't watch it. Don't watch that pornography. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Yes, you can do it. Oh, don't fornicate. Don't kiss it. Don't kiss it. Don't, don't, do, don't, don't, re- don't reply to that text. Girl, don't reply to that text. Don't. The angels, forgive her. Your mom said something. Forgive her. Your, your, your husband said something you didn't like. Or your, your wife behaved in a way that hurt you. Let her go. Don't. No. We are watching you. Angels are watching you. The arena is packed. You are being watched. And God is cheering you. Angels are cheering you. And God has sent me by His Spirit to cheer, cheer, cheer you on through His Word. The arena is packed. Pastor, in this time of lockdown, the church is not, people are not coming to church. No, people are not even giving. Many people are taking advantage of absence of physical church service, not to give. I'm not talking about people who are in dire financial situations, but some people have forgotten. You are listening to preaching like this. <laughs> and afterwards, you say, oh, you, go, you won't give. You won't give. It's not that you don't have. But you just can't be bothered. You can't be bothered. The arena is packed. You are under surveillance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pastor, people may not be coming to church and the bills are piling. The bills are piling up. Don't stress yourself. Don't cut corners. Stay faithful. Stay faithful because in the kingdom of God, in the church, in the work of God, faithfulness carry weight. Faithfulness said, well done. Matthew chapter 25 verse 21. Well done, that good and faithful servant. That is the essential quality of every steward in the kingdom. He says, for it's required, First Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1, for it is required of a steward to be found faithful. He said, well done, that good and faithful servant. You must be good and faithful. Matthew chapter 25 verse 23. Well done, the same thing. Well done, that good and faithful servant. Let's stay faithful to our assignment. My brother, my sister, stay faithful to your commitment to the work of God. Don't say, oh, now we are not going to church so well. Um, no, no, I, Stay faithful. 
Stay faithful in the way you treat your wife, in the way you treat your husband, in the, the way you even speak, what you are thinking about. You remember true worship, I spoke about your thoughts, your actions, and sorry, your thoughts, your words, and your actions. Stay faithful to God in your thoughts, action, words, and action. Guess what? The arena is packed. Everybody's watching you. So he says that, so therefore, seeing that you are compassed with, with, uh, about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay, oh, hey, thank you, Lord. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset you. See, weights and sins are disturbing your work with God. Weights. Weights. Wait, this thing that you you sometimes you are so moody against people who live with you moody. You don't even know the reason why. Pray that this weight will not interrupt and interfere with my work, my work with God. Wait, let us lay aside. You have to take the responsibility. Say, lay aside every weight that and the sin that easily besets us. There are some sins. Some sins, everybody, everybody has the sins that easily beset you. And the sin that easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says that, seeing that we have all these witnesses, let us lay aside uh, the sin that uh, every weight and the sin that easily beset us. And then what are you supposed to do? We have to run. How are you supposed to run? With patience. Some translation says with perseverance. In other words, sometimes you feel like I've done my best. Listen, God is not interested in you having done your best. He's interested in you being faithful. Keep at it. Keep at it. I've done oh, pastor. Now I've done my best. This woman, I can't handle her anymore. No. It's not your best. Be faithful. And do what God is saying. Uh, this man, I can't handle him. You know. This, 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 uh, my sister. No, I won't talk to her again in my life. Uh, no, be faithful to the call. Stay faithful and run with patience. Run with patience. This is how Paul puts it. Second Corinthians, uh, Second Timothy chapter four, verse seven. He says that I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. Therefore, there is laid for, down for me, verse 8, a crown of glory, which the righteous judge will give to me, not only to me, but also those who love his appearing. But he said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course and I've kept the faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. And stay on course. So he says that, therefore, let us run. <sighs> Sometimes you feel like giving up. Don't give up, sis. Don't give up, bro. Don't give up, okay? Don't give up. We are with you. We are standing with you. It will be all right. You will prevail. You will win. Thanks be to God who always gives us the victory. God is bringing you the victory. Don't don't give up. Don't fall to temptation. Don't let the devil win. Even if you fall, rise up and start running again. Rise up. Don't stay there. Don't fall and lie there. When you fall, rise up. Though it says that my oh my enemy in I think in Micah. Even if I fall seven times, I shall rejoice not over me, O my enemy. I think Micah 7, 8 or 8, 7, somewhere there. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, for even if I fall seven times, I shall rise again. So rise and keep running. But the only way you can run successfully, it says that, therefore, 
let us run with patience. Let's lay aside all these things, sin that is in and run with perseverance, run with patience. The race that is set before you, there is a race set before everybody. Once you, be a, you, are a, you become a Christian, once you become a child of God, there's a race you are supposed to run. That's why Paul said, I've finished my course. Paul, Paul, Paul said, I, 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 I ran in such a way. He said, run in such a way that you may obtain. Run in First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven. Said, run in such a way that you may obtain. All right, and then in in Philippians chapter um, three, verse twelve and thirteen, he said, I press on. I press on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I press on. Therefore, I forgetting about the things that are behind. I press on. Press on. It's a race. It's a race. Press on. I, 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 I press on towards the mark of the prize of, uh, the, towards the mark of the prize, the mark of the prize of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. So you have to press on. It says that let us run. The Christian life is a race and everybody must run. And this is the race. I always say this. I like say, I like saying the Christian life is the only race we run without looking on the track. It's important. So we run this race not looking on the track. So he says, let us run with patience. The race that is set before us, verse 12 is where, verse, sorry, verse 2. <laughs> This is where where I want us to get to. Looking onto Jesus. So you run the race doing what? Not looking on the track. Look onto Jesus. Looking onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, watch this, and is set down at the right hand of of the throne of God. So Jesus Christ went through all the process, the shame, the crucifixion, the mockery, and he, the burial, but he resurrected. He rose again. Remember, he said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Luke chapter 24, I think verse 4 or verse 5. Yeah, Luke 24, 4. Why, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? In Matthew 28, verse 6, he said, he is not here. He is risen. Mark chapter 16, verse 6. He is not here. He is risen. Hallelujah. So he said, he is risen. He rose. And when he rose, it wasn't the end of everything. But when he rose, he sat at the right hand of God. And by one of the translations said, he sat at the on the right hand of majesty on high. So where is Jesus? He's seated from this text. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. He said, look unto Jesus, the author of the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was said before he enjoyed the cross, despite the shame, and is now sit, uh, uh, despite the shame, and is set, and uh, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As I read earlier on Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20, he said, he sat him down on his right hand in the heavenly places. So he's seated. He resurrected and now went and he's seated. He is seated in heaven. So where is Jesus? He's seated in heaven. And uh, let me show you. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2, it talks about how Jesus is seated. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 13. Hebrews chapter... um, 
Then we'll go to Hebrews, Hebrews 1, 2, Hebrews 1, 13, Hebrews 8, 1, Hebrews 8, 1, Hebrews 10, 21, Hebrews, um, I'll show you the rest. He's, he's seated at the right hand of God. So Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, verse 3 says that, who being the brightness, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, after he did that, he didn't stay on the cross. He died, resurrected, and did what? Sat on the right hand of majesty. After he had by himself purged our sins, sat, sat down at the right hand of majesty. Verse 13 said, but to which of the angels said he at any time, said God at any time, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies thy foothold. So Jesus was made to sit at the right hand of the uh, of the father in hebrews chapter 10 chapter 8 verse 1 said now of the things which we have we are spoken the spoken this is the psalm we have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. So he said in hebrews chapter 10 verse 12 bible says that this one sorry chapter chapter 9 verse um but chapter 10 verse 12, Hebrews 10, 10, 12 says that after he had, but this man, after he had offered one, offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. After he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, one, he sat down on the right hand of God. And then when you look at um, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 20 again, Hebrews 10, 20. 20 says 21 sorry hebrews 10 21 uh, okay let's hebrews chapter 10 verse 20 says that and by new and living way let me just make sure i've got there all right it's 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 all right hebrews chapter 10 verse 20 is the high priest when i come to the high priest i will talk about that but yeah so jesus where is jesus jesus is seated on the right hand of all Jesus is seated on the right hand of God, on the right hand of majesty. But I want to show you something again. When you look at Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, it said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. Huh? But Christ who is in me. But where is Christ? Is he in heaven or is he in us? Christ is in heaven. Christ is in us. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. It says that my little children of whom I travel until Christ be formed in you. Christ in you. When you look at the book of John, the, the scriptures tell us how Christ yeah, John John chapter um, 14 verse 20. John 14 20, it says that um, at, at that day you will know that I am in my father and you in me. And guess what? I in you. Christ said, I in you. So after the resurrection, Christ is in us. But I thought he's in heaven. Yes, he's in heaven. But here he says, Christ in you. In John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5, it says that abide in me and I in you. Really? Christ in us and uh, I in you? Um, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruits of itself until it's... Uh, 
unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the I'm the vine. Verse five. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. He who abides in me and I in him. In Colossians chapter one verse twenty seven, it says, "Christ in you, the hope of glory." Christ in you. Christ is in you. Christ is in me. The definition of a church. I gave the definition of the church some time ago. That the definition of the definition of the church is Christ in you. Christ in him. Christ in her. Christ in me. Christ in them. Christ in us. That is church. The church. The definition of the church is Christ in you. So in um, John chapter chapter seventeen, verse twenty three and verse twenty six, verse. John chapter 17 verse 23 said, I in them and you in me that, that they may be made perfect in one that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me and as you have loved, as I, as you have, um, you have loved me, the world may know that you, I, I have loved them as you have loved me. So he says that, uh, I am in them. Look at verse 26. Verse 26 says that, and I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it that that the love which the love with which you uh, you loved me may be in them, and I in them. So Christ's target was to be in us. That's why he resurrected. So when he resurrected, now he could be in us. So it's Christ in you. After the resurrection, it's Christ in you. Let me read one more scripture on that in Second Corinthians. Chapter, I think I opened it in one of these scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter, um, Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Christ is in heaven, seated in heaven from the scriptures I should. That's why I take my time to read uh, scriptures so that the scriptures can make the point. Christ is in heaven at the same time he's in us. Wow. That's the mystery of godliness. Is it not amazing? It's so beautiful. Examine, examine yourselves as, as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do not, uh, do, uh, do you not know? Do you not know yourselves that Christ is in you unless indeed you are, uh, you are disqualified? But I said, don't you know yourself that Christ is in you? Where is Christ? Christ is in me. Where is Christ? Christ is in me. In fact, I, 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 this year, the only camp I've had so far, we had with the, um, the uh, phase two folks and I, I, we, we came out with something that when I ask you, how are you? Say, Christ is in me. He lives in me and he's spreading. <laughs> how are you doing? Christ is in me. He lives in me and he is spreading from my spirit into my soul, into my body. Christ is in me. He lives in me and is spreading Christ in you. But when he resurrected, he came into us. But at the same time, the scriptures make us to understand that he is in heaven. So the, um, the point that I, you know, I spoke about he accomplished something on the resurrection. He accomplished and he said it is finished at the last year. John chapter 19 verse, 20, verse 30. It is finished. But the resurrection, he accomplished something too. But guess what? 
after he finished the the assignment in death and assignment in his resurrection, that was not the end. He ascended into heaven and sent himself down into us by his spirit. All right. So he he's in heaven and he's in us. Now, the all all I'm preaching about is this is the heavenly Jesus. He's in heaven doing what? He sat down, but he sat down working. So actually, after the resurrection, the real work began. <laughs> Hallelujah. The real work of Christ, the real work began after the resurrection. The reason why he died is so he will resurrect and so that he will bring us into sonship. And then when he brings us into sonship, his real work begins. The work begins and the heavenly Jesus. Now, so when you read the Bible very carefully, the, the, in, only in Hebrews, Christ is really focused on the, Hebrews focuses on the heavenly Jesus. Jesus in heaven. Whilst in, in the epistles of Paul, Paul focused on much more, even though he spoke about the heavenly Jesus, much more about Christ in you. Now, how do you assess Christ in you? To, to be able to reach out to Christ in you, assess Christ in you, you watch this. It says that when, but when we tend to Christ, so how do you tend to Christ? You begin to engage Christ from your spirit. Christ is in you through his spirit on your inner man. So Christ is you in you in you in your spirit. So if you want to access Christ, who is seated in the heavens, if you want to reach out to Christ, if you want to come to Christ, then you have to tend to your spirit. So Christ is in you, is in your spirit. Second Corinthians, second Timothy chapter, second Timothy chapter four, verse twenty-two. It says, "Christ be with your spirit." So Christ is in your spirit. On Thursday, by God's grace, when I'm continuing the true worshiper, I'll speak more about the spirit on that. So Christ is in your spirit. So how do you reach out to Christ? How do you relate with Christ? How do you get to Christ? Oh, I want to get to Jesus. I want to pray to, I want to talk to Jesus. Be spiritual. Enter your spirit. Focus. That's why when you are reading your Bible, when you are praying, when you are listening to word to nourish you, it's your spirit that is being nourished so you can have interactions with Christ and with the, the Father in your spirit. Hallelujah. So you can love the Lord more. Fellowship and worship Him more. Love Him more. Honor Him more. Do more for Him in your spirit. But so in the epistles, other epistles, Christ was depicted more as Christ in us. In Hebrews, He was depicted as Christ in heaven. And the Christ in heaven has been working. When you read um, the gospels, the Christ in the Christ in the gospel is a Christ who lived a human life on earth and died on the cross for the accomplishment of, of our salvation. So when you search the gospels, the Christ that you find is the Christ who lived on earth, died on the cross for the accomplishment of some uh, uh, redemption. The Christ in the uh, in the Acts in the book of Acts. The Christ in the book of Acts is the resurrected and ascended Christ. The resurrected and ascended Christ being proclaimed or propagated and ministered to men. So that's what you see. When you look at the Acts, see that Christ is being propagated. He's the ascended and resurrected and ascended Christ, but he's being propagated and ministered to men. And then when you look at, when you look at the book of Romans, Romans is the Christ 
who is our righteousness for justification. He, so when he ascended, he becomes, uh, he became, in Romans, he's depicted, we see the Christ who is our righteousness for our justification. Hallelujah. He's our, he's our life for our sanctification, for our, um, uh, conformation, for our transformation, for our glorification and building up. And when you read, when you look at the book of, um, Corinthians, First and second Corinthians, you, you, what you see more is the Christ who is our everything for the practical church life, practical expression of the church life, how to live the church life by the fact that Christ is everything. You can't be an effective Christian if Christ is not everything. In fact, that's in, in first and second Corinthians, the book of Corinthians and in the book of Ephesians or Galatians, Christ is, that is in Galatians, Christ is the, is the Christ who gives us the life to live a life that is contrary to the, or not contrary to the law in itself. That is not, is not demanded or is not controlled by law. So we live a life not controlled by law, by religion, tradition of men and uh, uh, forms. Form. This is this form. When we when, when I, I teach on the um, the true worshiper, I'll go a bit more into that as well. Forms. It's no more about forms, but Christ has become our life. So in Galatians, you see the the Christ. All right, the Christ who is our life. As opposed to the law, religion, um, forms, and uh, traditions, right? So you see that in Galatians. And then when you when you look at Philippians and Ephesians, you see the Christ, who is the life, the content, and the head of the body. So in in Ephesians and Colossians, Christ is depicted as the one who is our life. Who is the content? He's the life and the content and the head of his body. It's a privilege for us to be the head of, of, of the body of Christ. And in Philippians, he is the, he, he, he is the Christ who is the, who is the living or he who lives in his, his, in his members. He lives, he's living in, as I said earlier, Christ in us, Christ in us, that Christ will be formed. In Galatians 4.19 says that Christ be formed in you. Praise God, Galatians 4.19. So that, that is, that is, so, and then when you look at first and second Timothy, first Timothy, second Timothy and Titus is like Christ is that you see the Christ who is God's, God's, um, uh, uh, let me use this word, God's dispensation or God's administration or God's program of working himself into us. You know, or another word is God's economy. So who enables us to know how to conduct ourselves in the house of God. So in first, second, first and second Timothy and Titus, you see the Christ who is, who is the, uh, 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 the Christ as God's. Uh, so you see the Christ who is God's economy, who is God's, um, God's administration, God's stewardship. All right. God's dispensation, the way God distributes himself into us. That's the, you see that and um, who enables us. He's there like that, enabling us to know how to conduct ourselves in the house of God. We need Christ to be able to live the church life properly. And in 
the first and second Thessalonians, Christ, you see the Christ who is our holiness for his second coming. <laughs> He's our holiness. And then when you come to um, Peter, the epistles of Peter, you see the Christ, the Christ who enables us to take the, this or the, uh, I don't, it, it enables us to take God's government dealing, God's dealing with us, okay? God's governmental dealing with us, God's providential dealing with us through suffering. So when you're a Christian, you may go through suffering. You'll be persecuted. I know of somebody who, who lost his job because he was a Christian in United Kingdom. Please, I want you to know that we definitely are going to be in the minority. We are in the minority and it's going to increase everywhere, especially in the West. To be a Christian, that means you are in the minority. It's going to increase. It's going to increase and increase. It's not that governments hate Christians, but that's how it is. That's the way it is. People, some people will not get jobs. Some companies will be closed down just because of Christianity, because of Christian ethos, right? So if you want to preach the gospel, if you want to abide by the word of God, you are get ready, you will suffer persecution. You will suffer persecution. Now, sometimes the modern day Christian has been taught not to en en embrace suffering. But as I taught you in the other time, Philippians chapter 4, chapter 3, verse 10, he said that I will know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable, conformable to his death, all right, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, chapter 1, verse 8, Paul told Timothy, be not ashamed of the testimony of Christ. He said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of Christ, nor of me, his prisoner, but bear with me or share with me in the sufferings for the gospel. So bear, share with me in the sufferings for the gospel, who, uh, the gospel of God, who has called us, who has saved us and called us, verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose. See the purpose, his plan, his purpose and grace, which was given to us before the world began. So before your, my mother met my father, God has already called me. He has called me and he has given me his purpose and grace before the world began. So let me read it again, verse 9, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us before the world began in the gospel. <laughs> which has given uh, before the world began. It has given to us before the world began. And he says that... Um, um, before the world began, but now is manifested by the appearing of Christ, who has brought life and uh, who has abolished death. Verse 10, I quoted verse 9 in the early time when I was quoted, it's actually verse 10. Who Christ, who has brought life and immortality to light. He has abolished death and brought life. I was explaining to somebody, he has now, it's like he dealt away with death in the dying death died in the death of Christ. He abolished death and brought life and immortality. You know the mortality rate? Now with the um, coronavirus, there's 
is uh, the mortality rate is like other potentially other sicknesses, but the problem with the uh, the COVID nineteen is that no medic medicine, okay, medicine to deal with it has not come to light yet. So nobody has been able to bring it to light. That is why it is it has become a serious enemy. Very violently trying to aggressively terrorizing human beings and taking lives because medication has not come to light or medicine to deal with it has not come to light. Bible says that Jesus brought, he dealt with death, he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is amazing. And he says that um, um, through the gospel, which have been appointed have been appointed a, a, a teacher or a preacher, an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For which reason, for which 11, I think it's 11, for which reason I suffer all these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Verse 12, First Timothy chapter, Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know in whom I have believed. I am not ashamed of all this. Nevertheless, I suffer all these things. For which reason I suffer all these things. But nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that whatever I have committed to him, he is able to keep on to them. So, suffering is such an intrinsic part of working with God on earth. Suffering is part of it. So, I don't know what you might be going through. You might have gone through. One of the things that helps so much is when you suffer for Christ. Bible says that consider it, uh, we said that, uh, um, uh, they all return, the apostles return, Acts chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. They re- after they threatened them, they let them go. Verse 40 says, they returned rejoicing that they've been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. Hallelujah. So, they never Suffering was not a threat, but how? Look at Stephen. They were stoning him, and as they stoned him, he was calling on the Lord Jesus. They stoned him, and he said that, Lord, don't hold this to their charge. Uh, uh, Acts seven fifty nine. Don't hold this or lay this to their charge. How did he do that? How did he embrace this suffering? It can be in Job chapter. I think Job chapter. Two, the wife said to Job, verse 11, 12, 13, that why do you go so far like this? Curse God and die. He said, you speak like one of the foolish women. Should a man only expect good from God and not evil? In other words, when you're working with God, sometimes there may be bad times. But listen, bad times doesn't mean the absence of God. He said, yea, though I was, Psalm 23, yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Can, can you imagine, can you imagine walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Death looks like you are surrounded by death. I walked through, I'm going through some difficult part. I said, I fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Ah, but thou art with me and I still walk through the valley and shadow of death. The presence of God does not necessarily mean an excuse from suffering, an excuse from pain, an excuse from difficult times. You may go through difficult times, but it doesn't mean God is with you. I prophesy, God is with you. I'm telling you, God is with you. For he said, I will never leave you. <laughs> not forsake you. I will never. So you are. So we are supposed to be like Paul, who said, "Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded. I'm convinced that whatever I've committed to Him is able to keep to His coming." So this Jesus and Job. Job said this. I know my redeemer lives. Job chapter nineteen, verse twenty-five. I like that. Job nineteen twenty-five said, "I know my redeemer lives. I know my redeemer lives." Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 he says that uh, don't be dismayed or fear not 
not a bit dismayed for I'm with you. When you go through, for whatever you go through. So God is with us. God is with us. Job chapter 13, verse 15. He says that even though he slays me, I'll trust him. So when you go through difficult patches, it does not mean God has abandoned you. It just possibly, God is, God can use that situation to even grow you. I'm telling you, the true church is growing in this time of lockdown. The true church is growing. The true church is growing. Because now, when you, if you are a genuine Christian, it will begin to show. If you have also not built your Christian life properly, the cracks will be even stronger. Greater cracks. It will be showing. But if you have built a strong, solid foundation, you, it will also show. So the point I'm making is that even though it looks like, wow, this is an issue that can affect churches, it's actually going to build the church stronger and stronger. Guess what? Because you are growing. I see you growing. I see you growing stronger in the Lord. You are growing stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger in the Lord. You are going to make it amazingly, beautifully. Because, watch this, Christ as depicted uh, in um, Peter, the book of Peter, is the Christ that enables us to take the governmental dealings of God through suffering. So the governmental dealing, in other words, the purposeful dealing. God is dealing with you. He's building you. But somewhere along the line, there may be some sufferings coming your way. It is not to tell you that. It's not to punish you. It's to polish you. When you walk with Christ and you go through some things, it's to not to punish you. It is to polish you. I see your life being polished. God will help you. In the name of Jesus. Then in Revelations, we see, we see the Christ, the Christ who works amongst the churches. Hallelujah. In the present age, he works amongst the churches in the present age and he rules over the church. We see it. The Christ who rules over the world in the kingdom in the coming age. He's, he rules over the world and we see the Christ who is the full expression of the glory of God. In the new heaven and the new earth for eternity. So when you study the text in John, in the book of the epistle of John, we see the Christ who um, who is the life and the fellowship of the family of, of the family of God, the children of God in his family. So you can see. Then when you come to Hebrews, we see the heavenly Jesus. He is ascended as the, our high priest, and he's working as our high priest. He's working. He's working. Next week, I'll possibly, by God's grace, take my time and go a bit more into Christ, our heavenly high priest. But now, he's the heavenly Christ who, there are a few things the Bible said about uh, the heavenly Christ. So, when he's seated in heaven, watch this. Let me read a few texts for you. Then we, we bring it to a, a close by the grace of God. Hallelujah. I trust that you are catching something. God is helping you. Christ finished his work on the cross, finished his work in the grave, or resurrected, and he went to heaven, and he's in heaven. So the Christ in us, to reach you, turn to, into him. And the Christ in us deals with the flesh, he deals with the self, and he deals with um, the flesh, the self, and the, 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 um, the, 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 the flesh, the self, and your the the natural man, the natural Bible says the natural man does not receive the things of God. So the Christ in you deals with the flesh, the self, and the natural. Most of the challenges we go through as Christians in our walk with Christ has to do with the flesh, 
the self and the natural man. Sometimes your natural man steps so much in the way. Natural man and his appetites. The desires of the flesh. Well, maybe this is how I am. When people talk to me this way, I can't, I can't take it. I, no, 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 I can't forgive. I can't talk to this. I don't know. I like this kind of thing. It is it's getting in the way. And your yourself, me, 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 me. All of us, all of us, all of us. Nobody has. You don't grow out of it. You tend to Christ to deal with it. You never grow out of the flesh. You, Bible says that uh, Galatians five sixteen. Walk in the spirit so you don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Nobody grows because the flesh was never saved. God never intended to save the flesh. God, Christ never died to save the flesh. He didn't save the flesh. He saved you. All right. So then the flesh will not be redeemed because the flesh is kaput. And we are living in this body of sin. Paul calls it Romans chapter 7. I think verse 11 or verse 8, 9, 10, 11. This body of sin. And then in the verse 24, he calls it this body of death. It's a body of death. Right? So everybody, that's why I said, he said, work out your own salvation with fear. Work it out. The salvation is worked inside you. Work it out with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. Philippians chapter, chapter, um, three verse, chapter two verse 13. Work out your own salvation. Hallelujah. And so, um, <clears throat> Christ is helping us. He's in us. But the Christ in heaven, he deals with the world. He deals with the world and uh, religious systems. Okay? To help us. And so, the heavenly Christ deals with the world and the religious systems and uh, uh Systems to make us miss God. And the indwelling Christ deals with our flesh, our self, and the natural man. So when you, how do you reach out to the heavenly Christ? You turn away from, where I started from, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Therefore, looking unto Jesus. That The Greek word translated looking unto Jesus means that Looking away from something onto. So you have to practically turn away. Looking onto Jesus. So therefore, looking onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If you don't look onto him, earthly things will block you. Natural things will block you. You have to look onto Jesus. Sometimes, my brother, I know things are happening, but learn how to look onto Jesus. You know, this is, I may not even be able to get deeper into Hebrews, but I'll continue. This is, this is, I want, may I say this? This is very important. Somebody said, oh, now I don't even believe in church again because a church elder or a church leader did something. Look unto Jesus! If you are not growing in your word and you make human beings your focus, you will be disappointed. You will be disappointed because the best of men is nothing but clay of, feet of clay. The best of men, the best amongst us, is still still has clay feet. Clay feet means can be broken. The best of men. Can you imagine the whole prime minister, our precious prime minister, being taken to intensive care with COVID nineteen? Human beings are human beings. No, he's not done anything wrong. He's not a bad man. 
But it's a human being. People who are um, fit are being victimized or have, are, being, uh, are being killed by this. People who are young are being killed. People who are old. Important people in society are being attacked. People who nobody knows are also dying. Can you imagine the prime minister comes down with COVID-19 or coronavirus? That tells you that the best of man as is still man. The queen is still man. When I say man, I don't mean male. Male. I mean it's a human being. Okay? Human being. Or you want me to say human woman being. The, the, the queen is, so the queen had to be protected from coming into contact with the virus. And that's why we are all home. Because every one of us must, must keep some distance from everybody. The best of men is men. So if you put your confidence, your full confidence and assurance into a leader, a church leader, in the day of his weakness, if he hasn't, he hasn't built capacity. He hasn't developed spiritual capacity in his work with God. In the day of pressure, he may crack or break. And you'll be let down. Say, oh no, I don't even believe in church anymore. I don't believe in Christianity. Are you really called? Grow. Walk with God and grow in Christ. It's very important. This is so important. And so we have to develop our relationship with Christ to the extent that nothing shakes us. Nothing shakes us. And I see you growing. I see your relationship becoming stronger and firmer and firmer. Does that mean people can be misbehaved? No, I'm not endorsing misbehavior. What I'm just, I'm saying is that you are responsible for your spiritual growth. No other person is. You are. I am responsible for my spiritual growth. I'm, 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 I'm also responsible as a pastor, in my position as a pastor, to feed the people who God has assigned to me or who I have the privilege to reach out to, to feed them with the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. It's my job and my assignment. He said, feed the flock of God which is amongst you. Acts chapter 20, chapter 20 verse 28. Feed the flock of God. Feed the flock of God over which over which he has made you overseer, which he purchased with his own blood. He took his blood to buy the church. The church belongs to God. And if you're a pastor, you have been given a privilege to handle what is important to God and you are part of what you are handling. Hallelujah! Is that the shepherd is also a sheep. <laughs> the shepherd is a sheep. And so please, when you see a bleeding Shepherd, remember that he is also a sheep. And we have the chief shepherd according to Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20. But let me just say a few things. In Hebrews chapter 1, a few depictions of Christ, the heavenly Christ in the book of Hebrews. You will see that he is depicted as the son of God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5. Hebrews chapter 1 chapter 2 verse 6. He is depicted as the son of God. So he is the son of man, the son of God. He is God. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8. He says that the Lord said to my my God. No, the, 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 to which of the angels did the Lord said, Thy throne, O God. Thy throne, O God, is... Hebrews chapter 1, that's a nice one, so I just want to read it. It's such a beautiful text. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8, he said, But to, to the son, he, say, he says, I'm reading from New King James Version, Your throne, O God. God said to the son, O God. So he's God. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 6, he's man. 
He says that what is man, as he said in one place, what is man that you are so mindful of him? So he is God, the son of man. He's depicted as the son of man, depicted as the son of God, portrayed as man, portrayed as God, which he is. And then in uh, he's also uh, the appointed heir of all things. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. God has appointed, he's the appointed heirs or heir of all things. Hallelujah. So he's the son of God, son of man, God, man, the appointed heir of all things, the anointed one of God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. He is the anointed one of God. And in his capacity, as he's seated in the, on the throne, he is all these things I'm saying. He is God. He is man. He is the son of God. He is the son of man. He is the appointed heir of all things. He is the anointed one. He is the sanctifier. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11. He says that for, um, for it's, it's, uh, it's uh, Hebrews chapter, in bringing for both he who are sanctified and uh, the, both, sorry, both he who sanctifies, sanctifies, and those who are being, we are the ones being sanctified, and he is the sanctifier. Hallelujah! Jesus is the sanctifier. So he says that Jesus, so he is portrayed, we see the heavenly Jesus in Hebrews as the son of God, the son of man, God, man, heir of all things, um, the anointed one of God, the sanctifier, hallelujah. We see him as the constant aid or sucker. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18, he said he's, he's, uh, he's our sucker, he's our aid, he aids us. And then in, in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, he is our instant help. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may find grace and help to uh, so uh, and 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 we, we may obtain mercy and grace to help in time in the time of need. So anytime the need arrives, he's our instant helper. Hallelujah! He's seated there as our instant helper. He's seated there as our sanctifier. He's seated in heaven as the anointed one of God. He's seated in heaven as the heir of all things. He's seated in heaven as the apostle from God. Hebrews chapter three verse one. My brethren, my holy brethren. Consider the apostle. The apostle. He's seated as the apostle of God. And then the next thing is, he's also seated as the high priest. Our high priest is there. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. He said, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Remember the heavenly calling? It's very interesting because I quoted earlier on in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse, verse uh, 9. Who has called us with a Holy calling. Here it says it's a heavenly calling. It's not from earth. Most of the things you see in Hebrews is like heavenly, heavenly, heavenly. Heavenly Jesus has given us a heavenly calling. Hallelujah. It's like someone sitting in the, uh, at the Buckingham Palace or White House and is inviting you with a White House invitation. If I use the White House phone to call you. Kai, ki, ha, ha. I see uh, God has given you a heavenly calling. Our calling is a heavenly calling. So even if we are earthly not celebrated, if earthly people don't celebrate us, we have a heavenly calling. My brother, my sister, you got a heavenly calling. And guess what? He is our high priest. So he said, the, uh, my uh, <laughs> holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. So he is our high priest. He's our, he's our apostle, he's our high priest. So he's God, he's man, son of God, son of man, the, uh, uh, the, the heir of all things. 
He's the appointed heir of all things. He's the anointed one of God. He's the sanctifier. He's our aid, our succor. He's our aid. S-U-C-C-O-U-R. He's our succor. Uh, some people say succor. But he's our aid. Someone who comes to aid you. You know, he's someone who's aiding you. He's our aid. He's our present of, he's our constant aid and instant help. Alright? He's our instant help. He's our apostle. He's our high priest. Hallelujah! He's our minister. I was telling somebody that Jesus Christ is our minister. So he's minister Jesus. <laughs> he's minister Jesus. He's minister Jesus. According to, um, 8 verse 1, Hebrews 8 1. He's a minister. He's a, he's a minister who ministers in the true tabernacle with a more excellent ministry. He's, oh, thank you, Jesus. His ministry is excellent. His, his ministry is fantastic. It's super. It's, it's beautiful. It's amazing. His, Jesus' ministry is amazing, impeccable. Clean. He's a minister with an excellent ministry. So if you want to look, if there's a minister you are looking for to look up to, even though we, his representatives, must live life of, uh, life worthy of emulation. Peter told the pastors in First Peter chapter 5, he said, be an example to the flock. Be an example. Be ye examples to the flock. So we are not supposed to just preach to the flock. We are supposed to be examples. Church leaders, we are supposed to be, oh, may God grant us grace to be examples. We receive grace from our heavenly Jesus. He's working. He's working on our behalf. He's empowering us. He's enabling us to do the work of God. Hallelujah. So he's, he's the minister of the true tabernacle. He's the surety. Surety means the guarantee. The guarantee. The bondsman. The sponsor of the better covenant. He's the sponsor of the covenants, this New Testament covenant, or the covenant, sorry, he's the sponsor, and then he's the mediator. The sponsor is, is uh, Hebrews 7.22. All right. He's the surety. He's made sure that this thing, is, this thing is working for you, and it's going to work for you, because the, there's someone who is sponsoring it, and is making sure that it's working. And let me add one more and leave the rest so I can continue. And he finally, uh, number 14. So I've given you 14. 14. He is the mediator of the new covenant. A mediator is a negotiator. A mediator. Let me read that bit. In Hebrews chapter, um, thank you, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16 and then 17. It says 16 and 17. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16. For a testament is of force after men are dead otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator lives whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood so jesus was the one who enacted the testament the new testament is a will no a will cannot work if someone is not dead so a person must die before the will can be a, a, a executor all right um Okay, sorry. I'm talking about the mediator. So he mediates. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6. He's a minister who mediates. He's the negotiator. And then I went ahead of myself. So since I've done, let me add it. So Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 and Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24. He's the mediator. But finally, let me add one. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 16. He is the executor of the New Testament. He died for us 
and then he rose to execute the benefits of the New Testament. And guess what? He's seated in heaven, does what he's enforcing, what he died for us. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at charis.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Charis Ministries. Stay blessed.